one of the most uh, important things we can aim for in our life is to attune to the Dhamma. We go out of tune sometimes, even when we're going through some of the forms of what we think the Dhamma is. And when we, we live in monasteries and so forth, it starts to turn into another kind of job, another function, another thing I've got to do, make happen, become, and so on. And then behind that view, various afflictive states and hindrances sort of build up worry, nervousness, tension, forcefulness, um, lack the joy dwindles. Because even though we were doing the right things in a way, weren't really in tune, tuned to the Dhamma. Many people of course are <coughs> really <clears throat> no, haven't heard or, or lost it or haven't really found that so their lives are quite confused of thrashing around in the ocean looking for a life raft somewhere a lot of thrashing around a lot of eff- efforts a lot of activity a lot of trying this and trying that but really haven't quite found it mm. So we get these, these uh, states, driven states of mind, you know, desperate driven states of mind, which are not unusual. You know, people can go from driven to sort of collapsing and just laying back and then driven on again and then, you know, sort of oscillating between these two states, these two modes of being, like they're kind of hyperactive and overactivated, trying to kind of get galvanized into some sort of purpose or feel good thing or activity that's going to work and make us feel okay, and then sinking back and oh, you know, laying back. Mm. So these are imbalances. Well, if you watch out for these, you know, Dhamma is like a fine balance. And uh, so we'll talk about tuning into it, tuning into the balance of it. The quality of Dhamma, one way to recognize that sense is this word Kalyana. The Buddha, the Dhamma is called Kalyana in the beginning, Kalyana in the middle, Kalyana in the end. And so this is a kind of like a theme <laughs> that runs through it, and how you initiate it, how you be, get in there, how you how you tune into that, and how you stay with that as you practice. It's sort of like say in the middle, you know, you picked it up, and now you want to stay with that theme. Uh, and then in the end, where it where it takes you to is also kalyana. Mm. Kalyana, like many of these 
dumber concepts isn't that easy to render in an English word, but it can mean beautiful. It's, I think in the chanting we talk about as beautiful, which is a nice way of considering it, because it, 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 that's a very uh, lovely feeling to it. You know, what is really beautiful. And sometimes it's noble, like the Kalyanamitta, the noble friend, or spiritual, the spiritual friend. The spiritual is kind of like, well, what is spiritual anyway? What does that mean? You know, beautiful, noble, uplifting sense of uprightness, something you feel good with. Good not just because it's got an immediate contact high of, of excitement, that's something that's got deeply good, feels good, you want to linger with it, turn it over, you know, taste it and dwell in it. It sort of slows you down in a way. It, it, it opens the, the faculty of the mind to really appreciate and dwell and, this, uh, and linger. You know, so it's a quietening effect rather than the exciting effect. It's, a, it's an expanding quality. So their minds tend to expand rather than contract and tighten and grasp. It's a steadying quality. It's a comforting quality. It's something that gives one a sense of dignity. You know, we, we don't cheapen ourselves or, or belittle ourselves. But it's not conceited. It's not stuck up into being something. It's got this beauty to it. Mm. Mm. I think this is just a nice term to, if you want terms, because it's, it's, it's got a metaphorical, slightly poetic quality to it, ring to it, mm. and that touches you, oh, yeah. it's really beautiful, it's a lovely way to be, and there's this gracious, there's this kind of mode of activity, mode of my mind, is this, uh, does this have some beauty in it? Doesn't have to be solemn necessarily, or you know, but there's a there's a there's a loveliness to it, heartening. Your heart tends to feel nourished by that. So because of that, you want to do more. You don't have to force yourself to do more. <laughs> Just like when you're thirsty, you, you take some water. You don't have to force yourself to drink a bit more. You really want to take some more. You know, it just slides down really easy. <laughs> so if we, we find this and we stay with that, you know, then as you feel it, as each of us feel that, then it, it, it really starts to, our interest in our pro, process of practice, a particular process of practice, starts to, to move, it shifts along, it moves along, because of this you deepen, because of this you come up against this and you find your way through that. Um, and you feel confident because even, say, when you're meeting challenges, then there's a sense of, you know, there's some work, there's some value in here, you know, and it's that, you realise this is, this is an important piece, I have to be with this and work through this. So, always keep in touch with that. 
I think it's important to to remember this because of the way in which even you know so-called religious or spiritual ideals historically we see regrettably indeed but can make people rather nasty <laughs> and vindictive and righteous and judgmental and blaming and arrogant and dismissive and so forth so they lost the tune really you know, people fighting over qualities like love and peace <laughs> so you know we could have the words but we lost the tune So as we we practice our presso first movement, you know, in terms of Dhamma, is towards that sense of the the lovely, the inspired, the inspiring. And it's not just um, you know you you bring your, you come into your fullness there. You feel yourself a little bit richer or fuller because you're inclining that way. So we might say, when generosity is a dhamma practice, well, kind of very, very basic, very fundamental. You don't have to be that wise or attained to be generous. Yet, probably it's the the quality that's most easily recognised right across the board. You know, many cultures, non-Buddhist cultures, you know. What people do is they come bring a gift, make an offering. You know, where you meet people, you bring a gift. It's just a modest gift, but it's nicely done. You know, it's flowers, or it's on a tray, or it's tied up with wrap. It's just nicely done. It doesn't need to be that much. And, and the main, the main feeling of it is not is the sense of the, the, the beauty that it gives the giver. You know, for that moment. I am enriched because because of this quality of giving. The quality of giving runs through and it enriches me, it lifts me up. You know? It's not you gonna give this, it's so and so, you know. But it's that it's that sense of enrichment. So it's a nice thing to to tune into because in a way it's quite an obvious thing. And yet if you go into it in the right way you feel it out, you can, you can set the sense of what Kalyana feels like and the quality of skillful karma. Why it's skillful? Not just because it's, you know, it's, it's not just good in the right, wrong sense, but it also feels good. You know, it's really like the you know, quality of heart, which is where volition, intention comes from, feels bright. And it almost it has this effect, you could say, you know, looked at it very prosaically, it seems to go through your whole nervous system, you feel a little bit more buoyant, a little more happy in yourself. And naturally when there is, when there is that sense of giving, then you meet someone else, the person you're giving to, 
in a very fortunate and gracious way. Some kind of non-challenging, non-demanding, non-comparing way. Just you know, where some of these nervousnesses in meeting people can be easily um, moved through when we meet each other. I would imagine that somewhere, for most people, there's this little moment of, or maybe more than a moment of uncertainty of how do I how do I make myself okay for this person? How will they receive me? Am I doing the right thing? And then generosity, so that we move into that mudra, that particular gesture, where you know the the person who receives um, is kind of softened because you have a sense of oh, this person is offering something for themselves to me. And so it's it's beautiful in that way. And it, it naturally <clears throat> there's a kind of bond that's that's established to a certain degree, and uh, of course it, it any kind of uh, any giving is good from the right heart, and then it's also but then it's also good to give to people who you have res- um, you want to be with. You need respect, and you 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 want to um, learn from because then you you've kind of um, generated a sense of of fellowship. Mm-hmm. Where it goes wrong, of course, is when we we use these things because. Oh, it's Christmas! Oh my goodness, I've got to give so and so. What on earth am I going to give him? Oh gee, you know, I don't give him this. Oh, let me think. Pair of socks? No, don't they? He's got a, he's got a pair. Of, he's got a wristwatch. He's got a. What can I do? I'll blast the baby and find something for it. <laughs> you know, then it's not really. Very beautiful, is it? Like that. It's conformed with an obligation, and and there's a certain anxiety with it. So, yeah. mm-hmm. Or, or um, you know, when when you, somebody sends you a Christmas present, and you you forgot to, you you forgot to give them one. So you hadn't given them one, didn't have them on your list. You feel terrible because. You know, she sent me something I didn't really like anyway. And she sent me something, and I've got to send her something. And think, why did you, you know? So you, you get into this kind of um, quality, or do or buying. You know, where you, I gave you this, therefore you ought to do something for me in return, which isn't quite quite Galliana. <laughs> it's doing a deal. So that your mind, your intention is not really so bright anymore. It's it's slightly corrupted. Uh, you see, you know, you can do these things, and yet you can be in tune or just slightly out of tune. You know, even though it doesn't mean don't be generous, because it means get be generous but get in tune with it. <laughs> do it try and find the right place to do it from. Because the idea is that it you, you, it, it brings you back into yourself in a very rewarding way. When we look at something like precepts, which is a very crucial part of the practice, and and picking them up, taking them on, feeling the 
what these really mean, the harmlessness, you know, the non-harming, the gentleness, the tenderness, the sense of empathy with other beings. And so, as with generosity, we, you realize this, it cuts that sense of me, 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 because you begin to regard other people as, as people you want to actually enrich. So that's what lifts you up. Similarly with, uh, with morality, with precepts, um, the fundamental principle behind it is to others as to myself. You know, I don't take anything else's life because I wouldn't want anything to take my life. You know? I don't cause pain because I don't want pain. I don't verbally abuse because I don't want to be verbally abused. I don't sexually mistreat because I don't want to have that happen to me. So you get this sense of real valuing and valuing others and valuing others for for the right reasons. I value you as a as a being. Um, is sensitive and has integrity and moral conscience so I wouldn't want to trivialise you or badmouth you or gossip about you mm. so this uh, quality then of, of what, what precepts are about is, is valuing oneself and valuing others because you value your own integrity you wouldn't want to lose it you wouldn't throw it away because you value the qualities of other beings. You wouldn't want to damage them, and you wouldn't want them to to lose trust in yourself because you you value their respect, you value their friendship. This is really important to 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 get through some of the um, psychologies that a culture can carry, which is. Oh, I'll do what I like. You don't like it, it's your problem. You know, my life. I'll do what I want with it. Nobody tells me what to do. I'm a free person. Think for yourself. I'm not going to go along with some kind of rule. Be kind of sheep, obedient, blind sheep, following the rules. Uh, be a free person. Free, spontaneous. Mm, yeah, heard that too. Mm. And then this isn't. Uh, um, so often that there's only one person on the planet, really, <laughs> which is me. <laughs> so is that freedom? Mm and how people can really lose it from something that sounds kind of interesting or original or yeah right but then uh, you know actually it's not beautiful because it doesn't engender a kind of sphere uh, a context of beauty something we can sit within it means I, I do what I want to do and I get what I want and I don't do this. But you're actually always caught up in the I do, I want, I need, I'm going to have, I'm going to make it, I'm going to have my way and so forth. Rather than I can rest in the quality of goodness. So your mind becomes more still 
or happy because you're happy with yourself you don't need to do so much you don't need to you know, have a great time and go out and do things and be free and spontaneous because you're free and spontaneously enjoy, enjoying this being here <laughs> yeah. These are these are very very. Um, they're not esoteric um, things I'm talking about, but that's why I'm talking about these. I want to show you that it's not really the complexity or the, the you know, abstract nature of the concept that's the dhamma. The thread of it runs through some of the most simple ways in which we can do good sometimes it's so simple we think oh overlook it or you don't quite get it right you don't tune into it so we see precepts maybe as following rules you know which that's looking from the outside the inside is is valuing yourself valuing your integrity caring for yourself caring for others, being sensitive to the qualities of karma, to, to what's wholesome and unwholesome, treasuring, making much of the wholesome, feeling it. And, but then, the really important point of Dhamma that we sometimes miss is you have to, you have to dwell in it. You have to hold it long, to linger with that, to get the taste. Maybe this is a feature that most needs to be emphasised in in our culture because our culture is so much a kind of snatch and run kind of experience. Everybody's on the run, everybody's on the move. Attention span, five seconds, right next. You know. Okay, develop loving kindness. Loving kindness, compassion, equanimity, sympathy, joy. Next. Done that, right, got that one, yeah, got it, okay. Yeah. Detachment, okay, detachment, what's that? What is that? Right. Detachment, okay, got that. Jhanas, right, jhanas, first jhanas. Okay, got that point, right, next, you know, move on. So, so you would, you got it, got it, but it's like, it just goes in the ears. Uh, and uh, it, that's the, that's the illusion of, of, the, uh, of thinking we, we, we understand because you've got well, has a notion because it's quite easy to get a notion yeah. but when you take a notion like precepts which is a really really easy notion hmm. you get you can get it but then you don't really get it so I'm using something very simple so it's not it's not it it's not the notion notion you, you know that already but what, what one perhaps needs encouragement is is Linger it, feed it out, deepen into it, deepen into what it's doing, deepen into the quality of the beauty, the quality of the nobility of that. It seems to me that um, certainly living in monasteries for many years, the people almost unquestioning um, and totally reliable sense of precepts, quite evolved precept forms can be beset with worry about their purity or how good they are or they're not really making it or 
you know, I'm not really worthy of respect. You know, I'm just a, I'm just a you know, union monk, not really worthy of respect. And you think, well, you're keeping some really big precepts, and lots of them. Yeah, yeah, well, but you know, my samadhi's not much good, and you know, I'm not very mindful, and I can't, I can't not be good at giving talks. And, you know, not really. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> you know how, because you know, one hasn't held the quality of goodness long, and 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 held it and lingered in it. If we don't do that, then the mind is always not really full, not really brimming. So it doesn't move on, it has to be pushed on. And we're used to that. We're used to running on half empty. So your energy isn't quite full, but still you push on. You don't take time to to give yourself a breather. You push on even when you're low. We we get an understanding of something like the Brahma Vihara, and think, okay, got that, push on. No, you haven't got it. It's because you can say the words and you get the idea. You know, give yourself, those, those are very powerful things. Give yourself an hour, at least, just try to experience the value, deepen into the quality of metta, loving kindness, and what that's about. Stay with that. And when, you, when it's ripe and ready, it will move you on by itself. Mm-hmm. You'll start to feel things dropping away. You'll start to feel the sense of irritability and discontent dropping away. You'll start to feel the sense of having to get somewhere and become something else dropping away. You'll start to feel the sense of the burden of your life and, you know, dropping away. There's a with a peeling off that occurs. When we stay in it, that's the sign that you stay, you're staying in it fully. There's a beauty and you get more beautiful. There's a very um, worthy sutta in the I think in the Anguttara talking about where the Buddha often talks about these process of Dhamma his, his um, what's called his graduated teachings would tend to begin with things like generosity and then virtue and then move on from virtue to seeing the danger of uh, the pull of the senses and then seeing the how the senses can be quite, really quite careful about them, sense restraint and then renunciation and then the Four Noble Truths. So that comes to the end. And it's this kind of sequence where you, you, as you fill up with one thing, you're able to, to, your heart naturally inclines further on by itself. And the Buddha did a number of these, these sequences, just because it's not just one sequence, it's the spirit of it, is that things move on by themselves. One is, one is where the Buddha is saying, um, you know, if you really take in 
the quality of, of virtue and moral concern, then you don't have to make any effort of the will. Yes, you'll feel free from regret and remorse. Despite that will drop away. And when you feel free from regret and remorse, and you dwell in that, you have to make a further effort of the will than to push yourself, you'll naturally feel glad. And when you feel glad, and you dwell in that, you know, you'll naturally feel the sense of buoyancy, uplift, rapture. When you feel that, naturally by itself, you, you don't have to make any big effort, your body will start to feel soft and relaxed and open. When you dwell in that, make much of that, you don't have to push yourself, your mind will feel easy and smooth and soft. When you do that, when you dwell in that, you don't have to make an effort, your mind will be concentrated and steady. When it's steady and stable, you'll start to experience a sense of um, dispassion. You know, you won't be, your mind will not be so heaving up rushing out, it will naturally be cool and peaceful. When it's like that, you'll get some sense of, of um, disenchantment with, with sensory pulls and so forth. And then disenchantment leads to the sense of, of um, seeing what has become, what has come into being, seeing how conditioned reality arises, its nature. And through seeing this by itself, you dwell in that quite naturally your mind will um, attain knowledge and vision and liberation. So it goes from something that seems nothing that remote to something we go, wow, (laughs) how did that one move along? And the repeated refrain is, there's no need for a further effort of the will. It happens in accordance with Dhamma, Dhammata. Dhammata is the word Dhammata. Uh, or it's sometimes translated natural. In Thai, they use, they use the Thai version is Tamada, which means kind of ordinary, which is nice. Ordinary, natural, Dhamma, natural. Yeah. And yet, in this sense, it's also natural beauty. Natural beauty. Not cosmetic, not spruced up, not titivated, not showy, just a natural, natural beauty to it. You want to feel that in yourself. Beauty is not something that's contrived and you have to kind of put on something, it's something that you relax into and you realise and you deepen into it. And then these kind of drab things and these compressed things, these contracted things start to just fall off like old crusts. You know, when the fruit is ripe, the husk drops away. And we see something like um, the precepts, you know, and really taking that in, the, the quality of it. The, because what I'm saying is the sense of value and worth. And how many people, as I listen, talk, hear, feel in myself, my own practice, my own process, the vague feeling of not good enough, you know, not quite, there's a kind of drab quality to it, humdrum, drab, and sometimes it gets very acute, 
but really not good enough. <laughs> and other times it's just, well, not much really, you know. Because um, you, you feel it, you sense it, it's something actually kind of holding you down. So you're graying yourself. There's no joy in that. And it gets, when it gets very intense, then it, it curtails the movement of Dhamma. It curtails it, it sort of chokes it. So we, we don't feel the lift. And then we, we stow, when we don't feel the lift, the tendency is we try to push, drag ourselves up. Get on, get going, you lazy. You know, it proves that you make it work. And you drag yourself up. And as you drag yourself up, you're still not really in tune with the Dhamma. You're still not getting the buoyancy, and now you're pushing, and you're trying to get concentrated, or trying to be more mindful. But you actually don't have the, the, the support to do it, the internal support to do it. So you don't, so you don't get it right. So it proves it, you're not good enough. Told you. Told you. So you're not being mindful, and you can't concentrate, so that, you know, because you're not good enough. But actually what you did was you picked up the tune of not good enough and you followed that theme. So not good enough could only ever take you to not good enough because that's the theme. <laughs> if you, you know, that's the, that's the theme song. So what would it be like to feel good enough? Feel contented? Yeah. Isn't pride saying, I'm the, I'm the greatest, I'm the one and only, nobody else is as good as me. Say, We're all good enough. I don't have to be the only one who's good enough. <laughs> and it's, 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 when I say good enough, it's, um, it's just again a kind of, I'm ringing a bell, I'm, I'm not making a literal statement. When I say you come to that quality in yourself that feels, I can be with myself. I, I can rest in myself. I'm, I am pleased. And I'm pleased because of this particular quality, quality of virtue. It, it pleases me. Mm-hmm. Now, there's things I could look at in my life that I don't feel so pleased with. But attending to that, you know, attending to that, when is that skillful, when is it not skillful? Mm-hmm. So there can be this habit to keep feeling we're being honest by picking up all the blemishes. Really going to be really honest. So when we use that kind of phrase, it generally means bring up the scum. Let's have an honest peeling away, get down to the bottom of the pit, come out with the real rubbish. Really honest. Oh no. Are you, is it being really honest? No. Or are we in fact going to a particular extreme of, of, of um, view and not acknowledging, honestly, acknowledging I don't want to harm creatures. I enjoy, harm, I enjoy not harming creatures. Mm. I enjoy um, not blaming and gossiping. I feel bad if I if I gossip and blame. I'm going to do that. So I, enjoy, I feel better like this. And that's honest. 
Mm-hmm. And as we practice Dhamma, the theme to bear in mind is you have to pick up the good. in order to shed the bad pick up the good to shed the bad pick up the good to shed the bad you don't pick up the bad and mull over it and analyse it and worry about it fret about it and make much of it doesn't mean there isn't anything that's unskillful doesn't mean there's anything that we couldn't develop but you've got to pick up the good the good is going to develop it that's what's going to develop it. The Kalyana is going to develop it. And the, the other value of that particular shift is it's actually very humble. Because it's not saying, well, I'm going to get out and do this. I'm going to crack out those things. And I'm going to get there. And I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it happen. There's a certain sense of, I allow the Dhamma to do this. You know? This, this practice is in accordance with Dhamma. The path is in accordance with Dhamma. It's the Dhamma that's going to do this, not, not some self-view or another. And you look at where your self-views really linger, where your sense of, where you're, where you're really um, enmeshed. You're, you're, you don't want to practice in there, so you start to get some self-view about I'm like this and I'm like that and everything is always like that. This isn't a place you're going to use as a foundation. You know? So we practice in accordance with Dhamma, which means we pick up the beautiful. And in accordance with Dhamma means you, you, you have to be with that, stay with it, open to it, to the, if you like, the non-afflictive, And let it do its work. Feel it doing its work. Expand your awareness of that. Mm. And then it it deepens and it, it fills your whole system. So, it was something like practicing mindfulness of the body then you enter that practice mindfulness of the body from recollection from the sense of um, faith in the Buddha faith in yourself some sense of faith, trust in the Dhamma pick that up you recollect maybe what is skillful in yourself you tune your mind in you bear certain things in mind, you, you steady your attention, calm your attention, see how your attention is, if it's ragged and needs to be softened and smoothed, if it's jumping around, you need to find a way, something that will help it to settle, smooth it, soften it. You don't want to make it do a whole lot of work if it's not in a good state. You want to give it something that it can manage. So there's a skill in attention called wise attention, yoni sikara, which means you, you're discerning uh, what is good to attend to, what can I get my mind to, to, to hold on to, 
that it can manage to do that will give skillful, helpful input. So you're not asking it to do Herculean tasks or refined filigree if it's kind of clumsy or tired or numb. You just bring it into into just maybe just the sense of being a body, having a body here, staying upright, feeling the posture, just trying to get comfortable. Trying to get comfortable, trying to get it so that your body can refresh itself through its own energies. And this is very much what breathing in and out does. So you want to get your physical sitting position in a state where your, your spine is up, your belly is open, you get that breathing rhythm deep and full and it will refresh and you start to do things like relaxing your shoulders, softening the muscles, opening the chest basic things to mean that you can tune in you to a supportive mode and from that quite naturally again you're when you then you can refine it or it will tend to refine by itself Mm. as things settle down as things calm down there's less stuff you've got to be bracing yourself against or pushing to one side or dealing with because the mind calms down so there's not a whole load of stuff going on you've got to kind of fight your way through if your mind isn't calmed down then the, the likelihood is you need to just find a simpler, steadier base of attention. Where you just sit, you sit with your eyes open. You know, um, be able to just check what's happening in your body, like in your throat, or your eyes, or your head, whether they're, they're constrictive or, or tense. So it is very much the sense of bringing attending to the body skillfully, finding out how is the body in tune, how is it resourced, how is it refreshing itself. As it does so, quite naturally, the mind will settle into it, and quite as the mind settles into it, the body will seemingly feel lighter and more easy. And so the process of concentration is like that you might say the difference that I would emphasize is concentration or samadhi isn't something you do it's something that comes to you it's a centering of gatheredness that occurs because you have skillfully kept the Dhamma in mind 